Alrighty, guys. G'day. How's it going? So, I am back on, obviously, to do another episode of Pete's Two Cents. And <laughs> I feel like all I do is come on and complain here, guys. The last few weeks have just been insane, right? Insanely brutal. I've had disease after disease after disease. And so, I haven't managed to do an expression episode this week that I want to deliver uh, an episode for you guys. And so, I am here doing one that I can upload quickly, turn around and put up on the podcast so that you can work on your listening skills. Don't forget, guys, that these episodes don't come with transcripts. They are the only episodes that I do that don't come with transcripts. And the main reason is that it allows me to upload them instantly. I don't have to spend a lot of time transcribing them myself or having someone else transcribe them. But if you want all the other transcripts for all the other episodes on the podcast, be sure to go check that out. It's the premium podcast membership. And you can sign up for that at aussieenglish.com.au forward slash podcast. All right. So, I've got some questions here. And again, forgive me, guys, for not doing a QA and a this week. I had the the most god-awful virus. Again, you know, give me me two minutes to just complain. I had some kind of a throat infection where I think it was obviously viral because it wasn't- I wasn't coughing. I wasn't doing all this other stuff. I didn't have, um, you know, gross- pass in my throat or anything like that, but my tonsils were so inflamed. Tonsils are those organs at the back of your throat that you've got one on either side, right? And I believe they're used for defending against um, viral infections. So, they kind of catch the viral or bacterial infection before it gets into your lungs, but they swell up. And so, my lymph nodes in my neck and my um, tonsils were just so swollen. It was just the most painful thing in the world. And I couldn't swallow properly. It was just a nightmare. I almost wished that it had been um, some other disease or virus or infection that, um, yeah, just had had affected somewhere other than my throat. Why can't we get viral infections that, like, attack the tip of your pinky finger or maybe your elbow or something, right? Just away from your face, your throat, your nose, everything like that. It would just be brilliant, wouldn't it? Like, if you could just, you know, I've got this, I've got this viral infection on my elbow and it's- um. It's a little bit annoying, but besides that, can't complain. So, anyway, yeah, that that was fun. Voice was gone, couldn't speak properly, couldn't swallow. Uh, pretty much just drank OJ, orange juice, for a week. <laughs> so, yeah, great times, great times. But um, fortunately, that passed yesterday. Oh, so, that's what I've been up to. Um, anyway, let's get into today's questions. Okay, is there a famous waterfall in Australia? This comes from Alex. We don't really have, like, a famous waterfall, you know, like Niagara Falls in- I guess that's- is that the border of Canada and the US? I don't think it's just one or the other, right? Niagara Falls, I think it's- I think it's the border, but that's obviously a very famous waterfall. And then I think there were a whole bunch- when we were over in the US, we went to- I think it was Yosemite National Park. And I remember they had heaps of different waterfalls that were uh, famous that you'd seen in photos and stuff, but- In Australia, we have waterfalls all over the place, but I don't think we have like a specific famous kind of, you know, so insanely big and impressive that everyone knows about it. At least not that I can think of. There may be Australians listening and maybe even you guys who've traveled around Australia and you've seen certain waterfalls. But yeah, as you can probably tell, none are specifically coming to mind. Um Normally around here where you would see them is if you go to the mountains, obviously, because the water's going to be, uh, I don't know, it's going to rain there and the water's going to go downhill down a river. So, yeah, if you want to see a waterfall, probably best to try and find yourself a river. Um, but 
Yeah, I think most of the time it'll be in places like the Otway Ranges nearby, the Dandenong Ranges, anywhere in the mountains. And um, yeah, obviously there's a river, but there's there's usually loads as opposed to sort of one big dramatic uh, waterfall. My dad would have been the one to ask because he loves his landscape photography and does a lot of waterfall photographs. So, if you want to check him out, go on YouTube or Instagram and just search for Ian Smithson Photography. And I'm, I think he has tutorials on there for how to take for- photos of waterfalls because the trick, I think, is to have a few second delay so that the water gets like really milky and, and nice as opposed to you trying to capture it for a split second and just having it kind of frozen there in, in space and time. Okay. Um, so, here we go. Okay. This one comes from Rapunzel. Uh, I don't have confidence while talking in English. I know how to write very well. So, I guess that's not a question, that's a statement, but I imagine the question is, how do I improve my speaking? It sounds like another one of these, and I get these quite a lot from you guys, so I'm sorry if it's um, me being a uh, broken record and repeating, but the trick is that you obviously need to talk more, so you need to find reasons to talk more, you know? If you, if you don't practice a certain skill or task, uh, then you're not going to develop confidence in order to perform that skill or task well, right? So, usually confidence is developed as a result of practice and that's going to lead you to being prepared when having to do a certain thing, right? Whatever that may be, painting a house, it could be skiing down a mountain, but it could also be having a conversation in a foreign language like English. And so, if you don't practice that thing actively, like actively speaking, right? You can read a lot, you can write a lot, you can listen to a lot of audio, but if at the end of the day, you're not actually practicing the speaking component, you're not going to develop the confidence in that area because you haven't practiced it. So, it is a sort of annoyingly simple kind of answer and the answer is that you need to speak more. Um, And I think a big key is Talking about things that you are going to be talking about frequently. I think I talked about this in the last episode, but developing your islands, right? Check out my video on YouTube and it'll be a podcast episode as well where I talk about developing your islands. The basic concept here is that you want to develop fluency, vocabulary, expressions, collocations, everything like that around topics that are directly related to your life that you are going to talk about more frequently than other topics, right? So, for me personally, you know, if someone came up to me and said, I want to talk to you about, um, I don't know, some type of obscure chemistry, one, I'm not going to have the knowledge to talk about it, but two, I'm not going to have the vocab to talk about it. So, they're going to, even if I did have the knowledge about the thing, assuming you can have the knowledge about it without the vocab, if they were to bring up all of these words and phrases and stuff that I wasn't familiar with, even in English, I'm not going to be able to have a conversation with them. I'm not going to be confident to have a conversation with them about this thing because I'm not going to know what these terms are. I'm not going to understand it. So, it's not relevant to my daily life, right? So, I haven't practiced it. It's got nothing to do with my life. A good example might be at the moment with plants. You guys might know that I started getting into house plants and I started learning all these species names and different genus names and the the families of plants that I'm interested in. And so, I'm using these words now all the time, but originally I had no idea what they were, right? There's, what's a Monstera? What's Monstera deliciosa compared to Monstera adansonii? Um, what is a Philodendron? 
what is a begonia, you know, all these different types of plants and these different words. What what does it mean when someone says they're air layering a plant, right? Or, you know, repotting a plant, potting up a plant, all that sort of stuff. So, I had to kind of learn all this vocab from exposure and practice it in order to then be able to confidently have a conversation using these phrases. And I'm a native speaker, right? But this area of English I had never used before. I had never really delved into the world of botany and plants and indoor house plants ever before. And so, I had to suddenly learn it. And now it's funny because I find myself wanting to talk about indoor house plants um, with my family and my friends and everything. And a lot of the time, I have to define all of these phrases that I'm using because for me now, it's common knowledge. I know what I'm talking about. And people who are houseplant enthusiasts or botanists or whatever are going to know what I'm talking about and they can have a conversation with me. But my dad who comes in and asks me, you know, what's with the weird glad wrap stuff that you've put on the plant? Um, I have to tell him all of these different things, you know, that the- like, try and explain this without um, having visuals, but- you put glad wrap around some sphagnum moss that goes around the root that is on the part of the plant where you want those roots to develop so that you can then chop the plant up and the roots are already developed and that's called air layering. So, you know, it is really interesting that originally I would have had zero confidence having a conversation about this sort of stuff at, at, at the beginning, but now that I've learned all about it and everything and it's become an island for me, I have worked on it. I've learned about all of these phrases and expressions and everything related to it so I can now have a conversation about it with other people confidently. You need to do the same thing. So, if it is, say, for example, your islands might be your work, your family, um, where you're currently living, right? Stuff related to that. Your hobbies. What do you like doing? Do you like swimming? Do you like, um, I don't know, mountain climbing? It's going to be learning to talk about all those different topics learning the vocab related to them. And then, as a result of learning that and also as you start having conversations about those topics, the confidence is going to develop itself. It'll take care of itself, right? So, I hope that makes sense and I hope that helps. Okay, this one comes from Katsu. If someone asks me, G'day, what's going on, mate? Can I just say I'm good yourself? Uh, No. No. So, I mean- (laughs) You know, never say never. You could, of course, you could reply like that and the person is going to understand what you're saying, right? And it depends if the person who's saying what's going on is just sort of doing that as a as a greeting without actually caring about what's going on, if you know what I mean. Like, it's like saying, how are you, but not actually caring how the person is. It's just a, I'm just greeting the person. Hey, how are you? Yeah, yeah, good. How are you? Um, so, yeah, you could do it. The issue here is that because it's a what greeting, they've used the word what here, usually you're not going to describe how you are because it's not a how greeting. Does that make sense? So, when someone uses a what greeting, what are you doing, what's going on, what's up, you're usually going to reply with a noun because the word what, the question word what is asking for, I guess, in the answer, a noun. Like, what is that? You don't say it's good. You would say, you know, it's my phone, it's a, it's a rat, it's a, it's a thing, it's an item, it's an object, it's a noun. If someone gives you a how uh, greeting, so how's it going, that is when you're going to reply with an adjective like good, right? Describing how you are. So, how are you going? I'm good. 
I'm bad. I'm so-so. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm all right. So, that is how you sort of differentiate between those two types of greetings. You're going to have what greetings where you reply with a noun. It could be like not a lot, not much, heaps, loads. You know, it's typically going to be those quantity type words and maybe negated ones. Not a lot, not much. But then it's also going to be the positive version of it, right? So, heaps of stuff, loads of stuff, you know, a lot. Okay, this one comes from Asha. Excuse me. Sydney or Melbourne, which is expensive? Well, let's have some water there. Um, They're both expensive, like it's relative, right? Um, If you were coming from, say, Jakarta in Indonesia and you've moved to Melbourne or Sydney, both are going to be really expensive. If you've come from somewhere, say, in Switzerland and you've moved to either of those cities, they might be comparable. So, they might be equally as expensive or they might be cheaper, right? Because I know that a lot of the big cities in uh, Switzerland are quite expensive. So, it's obviously relative. But relative to one another, I think Sydney is probably more expensive than Melbourne from my experience. I think cost of living besides housing is probably similar. Like, if you go to the shops, things are probably going to cost about the same. But it's really housing that is quite different from what I understand. Like, I'll tell you an anecdote. I had a friend recently who got a job at Google. And uh, Google's currently in Australia. It's based in Sydney. So, he had to move to Sydney and he thought, okay, I'm paying $550 a week for rent in Melbourne for a a house that we've got or an apartment, whatever it was that he had. And he was like, well, we're going to Sydney. It's going to be a little more expensive. So, I might lash out another $100 a a week, you know, turn it into $650 a week and we'll hopefully get somewhere that's equally as nice. Boy, was he in for a surprise. Boy, was he in for a surprise. When he got to Sydney... He couldn't find anything for a comparable quality of, of, you know, living arrangement for anywhere near what he was paying in Melbourne. So, he ended up, I think, having to pay $1,100 a week. So, $4,400 a month, give or take, in order to get a- what he described as a crack den, right? A crack den is is a- dingy house where people go to do drugs, right? Crack the drug, which is crystal cocaine. Um, and so, it's kind of a, a a euphemism that's used to say that a house is very bad. So, he ended up getting an apartment where I think he's having trouble with the electricity all the time, but he's paying like $1,100 Australian a month to get that apartment. And I think to put that in, sp- in perspective, I could probably rent the house that we've got here in Kerr Lewis which is an hour and a half away from Melbourne. It's near Geelong. Um, we're paying 450 a week. So, if we were to pay 1,100 a week, we could get two and a half houses worth and that that would be 10 rooms, <laughs> right? Which is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So, yeah, Sydney is insane, apparently. He was like, I can't believe I'm working at Google. I'm on a very good wa- wage. You know, I earn a lot of money now, but- the majority of that wage is now used to pay for my living in this apartment that I would definitely not be living in if I was in Melbourne. So, yeah, um, that put things in perspective and I was just like, it's just shocking, right? It's just insane that I can't imagine living somewhere where like that, that's my, my wife's recently gone back to work and that would be, you know, that would be all of her wage and more just spent on, in fact, probably like, you know, almost two times her wage spent on rent. Just crazy. 
All right. So, this question comes from Ali. He says, hi, what's the most usual way to start a conversation with new people? Well, I think this is, you know, obviously context dependent. It's going to depend on where you currently are with the person, you know, like are you at a bus stop? Are you at a party? Are you at work? It's going to depend, you know, on that. Usually people are going to strike up a conversation and you can think about this in your native language, you know, what would you say in your native language to strike up a conversation with someone that you didn't know, but, you know, you're in the same location and perhaps you're expected to talk to one another? What would you talk about? Usually it's going to be a surrounding thing, right? So, like, I remember when I used to get the tram or the train when I was living in Melbourne and you would be sitting next to someone or you would be, I don't know, waiting at the same bus stop or tram stop for the bus or the tram and there was someone there, you would probably talk about your surroundings, you know. Is it a beautiful day? Um, Is it a horrible day? And this is that cliche of, you know, I think the Brits and Australians talking about the weather quite a lot to make small talk because it's something that, you know, Everyone can effectively talk about the weather. You can just look around you and you can see, is it nice? Is it bad? And you can start from there. A lot of the time, though, I remember I would just say, how's your day going? Right? If there was some kind of, you know, imagine I was on the train and someone sat down next to me and I thought, this person looks like a nice person. I'll just try striking up a conversation. I might just be like, oh, how's your day been? You know, what have you you been up to today? Are you doing all right? And then you just see how they respond, obviously. And if they respond positively- and they're like, you know, it's been a pretty average day. But all things considered, blah, 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 blah. They just start talking about it. And uh, you can tell they're an open kind of person and they're not worried about being open with you, which which is amazing when it happens, right? It's so nice to meet people that are just open and honest and sort of willing to have conversations with people they've just met. I absolutely love when that happens. It's almost like you've been old friends for a long time, but you've only just met that person. I love when that happens. Um, But, yeah, you obviously need to just see how they respond. Do they look like they want to have a conversation? You know, are they uh, happy? Are they open? Are they giving you sort of longer, more complicated answers? Or are they being very short and kind of introverted and looking into themselves and not giving you good eye contact and everything like that? You know, in which case, perhaps just be like, okay, and, you know, leave the conversation. But typically... That's the kind of thing I would do. I would have a look at my surroundings, you know, what is there that we could potentially both talk about, you know, oh, that was funny. Did you see that dog that just walked past? Or like, what was that guy wearing? Did you see that? He was wearing like some kind of weird pink dress hat thing. I don't know. It was crazy. Um, So, that sort of stuff is a great way. And then obviously just working out from their responses, do they look like they're trying to continue the conversation? Do they look like they're the kind of person or they sound like the kind of person who- wants to continue this conversation. Okay. Um, Here's a good one. This one comes from Howard. And I might leave this as the last question for today because I can hear my kids in the background, guys. And I think I'm going to have to go and give them some food shortly. So, this one comes from Howard. He says, can I learn English with the newspaper? Definitely, mate. Definitely. Of course, you can learn English with any kind of reading material. Uh, the basic thing is to be aware that the the English you're going to experience in the newspaper is going to be journalistic English. And obviously, you just want to make sure that you're reading things that are interesting, right? And perhaps that are as closely related to your life as possible or your interests so that the vocab you're learning is relevant to you, right? This goes back to talking about building your islands. So, if you're someone who, for instance, is, I don't know, imagine you're a biologist, you're interested in animals, you're 
you just love the natural, you know, wildlife, it might make sense to open up a newspaper and try and read articles about the environment. You know, you could find things in there about deforestation or climate change or um, bringing the thylacine back from extinction, you know, trying to clone that. So, I would be opening the newspaper and just looking for articles that are, one, relevant to you, like they're about topics you're passionate about or that you uh, are somehow involved in, and two, that you're inherently interested in. So, it may not necessarily be something you're involved in or that you work in or whatever, but if you're interested in, say, I don't know, um, an article about the the royal family in, in England or about anthropology in ancient Mesopotamia, whatever it is, then obviously read that article because when you're interested in something, you're much more likely to absorb what you're reading, right? As opposed to if you were reading something, I don't know, incredibly boring, how to open a bank account in Israel or something, <laughs> you know, because I'm sure that's a common type of article that they put in the, news- <laughs> in the newspaper. But you know what I mean, right? Like, if it's something that's really boring, you're probably going to sort of skip over it and not absorb it. I don't know if you guys have had those moments where your mind wanders whilst you read something and you realize you've read the same paragraph like four or five times and you don't know anything of what, what's just been said. But you're like, I've, I've literally read the same thing a dozen times and none of it is sticking in my head. That happens all the time to me. But- yeah, it would be open up a newspaper, flick through. There's going to be loads of articles and just try and find one or two that, that are really interesting. Maybe read them multiple times and then, yeah, highlight the words or the vocab or expressions that you find interesting and um, try and remember them, try and use them, ask people what they mean, write them down, look them up, everything like that. I definitely think uh, it can help. Anyway, guys. This has been a short one, but I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've enjoyed it. I know I speak quickly here. So, these episodes, they're meant to be just me speaking naturally, not slowing things down, not dumbing things down, answering your questions so that we can obviously talk about different types of topics that, one, you're interested in, but to allow you to hear, yeah, different types of topics, right? The subject changes quickly and rapidly. And it's not, I haven't really, pre-organized anything, right? I have just read these questions and spoken off the top of my head using everyday English. So, that's the basic point of these episodes, guys. I hope you enjoy them. I guess, lastly, I hope you haven't been minding the ads on the podcast as well. They have really helped out um, financially. They're bringing in a bit of extra money. So, that's really good. Hopefully, I can use that to channel that back into Aussie English and keep making things bigger and better. And hopefully, it allows you to hear about other podcasts that you might enjoy listening to. And if not, hopefully, it's just you get a chance to hear different accents, you know, men, women of different ages. Um, I've heard them from Australia, from Great Britain, from America in the different ads that get played. So, if nothing else, hopefully, it's just a nice little uh, bit of audio in the middle of the episode that you can listen to quickly and... uh, helps you learn to understand other accents out there as well. So, with that, guys, thank you so much for joining me. I'll be back soon and I wish you guys all the best. See ya.